0: I started on a little series called the local church, and it will go just a couple of weeks. As I've you know, it's, it's funny as I studied uh, uh, a little mini series earlier this summer, it was on suicide and suicidal thoughts. When I started, I thought that was going to be a one Sunday message, and then turned into three because it just got bigger and bigger. Well, that's what's happening on this message on the local church, it's gotten bigger and bigger. I found three passages that describe the church, and uh, we read one last week, and we're going to read a second one today. The one I'd like to read for you for today is uh, the local church is likened to a household of God. Let me read that. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter two, nineteen through twenty-two. And again, I apologize if I had to do this one over again. I probably would have made this the first installment and made last week's the second installment, but. That's the way as the study goes and it starts revealing to me. But uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and of the household of God, and are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together in habitation of God through the Spirit. When we come together, well, let me even back up further than that. (coughs) I want to tell you a story. Uh, I think I've shared part of this story before. Many years ago, now when I'm talking many years ago, this was just uh, weeks before my son Lincoln was born. I was going through the uh, basement and looking through some records in my mom and dad's house, and I was looking for my birth certificate. There was a job I was considering, um, and they needed to see my birth certificate, and I was hunting for it. And when I was stumbling around through the records, I did find it, but I also found some letters that an uncle of mine wrote while he was in Korea. So they were pretty old letters. The papers were very old and yellowish and tattered and Uh, But I I stumbled across those letters, and it was written by an uncle of mine. He happened to be about 18 months older than my father, because they were both in Korea at the same time. But the thing was, is this uncle did not come back from Korea, and his name was Lincoln. And when I read the letters, there was one letter that really grabbed my, well, all of them grabbed my attention, because I was down there in my mom's basement for for several hours and came up all red-eyed and couldn't look anybody in the eye for about three days. Uh, But there was one letter that I did read and what he was doing is my, this is my uncle Lincoln writing my grandmother when he was in Korea. And he made this statement. He said, mom, he says, I apologize that I'm writing you at this time. I want you to know that I'm not scared. I'm not in any danger but I just wanted to say thank you. And this is what he said. He said, the difference between a house and a home is that the sun shines on a house, but the sun shines in a home. And uh, I looked at that, and you know, I told you I was struggling, and after about three days, I showed it to my wife, who was from the deep south, And she read a couple of the letters, including that one, and she said, okay, you can name them Lincoln. And that's how that came about. But I'm stealing that to look at this passage right here because I want to steal that thought, the difference between a house and a home, of what a church should be. We can get together and very mechanically go through the operations of worship, and that's all it is. But unless God shows up, through the Holy Spirit we're no better than the Elks Club and when I look at this when I see this passage right here this is the household of God there is a lot of references to foundations and framing and cornerstones and those are all important but if God does not show up we're just flapping our lips and beating our gums I didn't get an amen for that God needs to show up. This is his habitation. So when we come together, I come to expect to see all you. But you know what? You're kind of second on the list. I come to visit God. Not that I can't visit with God in my closet. I try to and I do. But this is a place where he promises to come when people come in spirit and in truth. And it is an extra special ministry of the Holy Spirit we get when we come together with right hearts. We can come together with wrong hearts. Amen? So, with that passage, I would like to, 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 to move forward into this particular lesson. I do want to share one more thought. This has always been <clears throat> very heavy on my mind ever since my early conversion. Okay? Okay? I, as, as, as you know, I was raised in a different order, and I'm not here to bash anyone. As God is my witness, that's my my goal. But part of it was me being a, a, a youthful kid. But the worship I used to go through was very mechanical, and I don't ever remember meeting God in church. It was just do this, do this, do this. And it carried through into my days even after I was ordained. And I want to tell a story about your mom. When I first came here to Virginia and became your pastor 11 years ago, she wanted to take me to the local Primitive Baptist annual meetings and association meetings so I could meet the other uh, Primitive Baptist preachers in the area. And that was all fine. And she took me to this one association meeting and introduced me to everybody, but evidently I didn't play very nice. You see, I went to this meeting, and it was a an association meeting, and they met in a firehouse, so somewhere north of here. And they had a series of uh, uh, preachers, and in the morning they had three preachers, and the preachers were preaching, <clears throat> and it turned into a... Primitive Baptist Pep Rally. The good old church. The old Baptist. And uh, I heard three messages of it with no scripture. Okay? So we had lunch. And then they had an afternoon session and they had three speakers in the afternoon and I was the second one. Well, the first one in the afternoon got up and unfortunately he continued on what we heard in the morning. So then it was my turn and I got up in the stand and I was feeling really uneasy and I asked this question. I said, who are we here to worship? The bride or the groom? And you could hear crickets. I said, I'm serious. Who are we here? And, and your mom was in the back row thinking, oh, why did I bring this guy to this meeting? <laughs> But there was a preacher not far from here, Ed Bowen, Brother Larry Davis, a Margaret Davis pastor. He came up to me afterwards and he thanked me for that. And from that moment forward, they started preaching Christ and using the Bible again. But my point is, is, given my background, I'm very jealous over God and His Word. And when tradition usurps God and His Word, we're headed for trouble. And the reason why I'm so scared is I know what my children and my children's children need. And they need to go to a place and find the Lord, not tradition. If the tradition is Bible, praise God. But if it's just a practice that we do for convenience, we don't worship it. And we don't come here to worship our gathering. We worship the God that shows up in our gathering. And that's a local church. So when I read the Bible, that's why this thing got bigger and bigger. I finally sat down, because I did this a number of years ago, and I read, I printed off every verse that had the word church in it. Okay, And it turned out there was 115. There were several more that were in little descriptions. You know, this was written by Paul to the church at Corinth. But that's not scripture. It's just a description that the, they put in it. So once I cleared all that out, there was 115 references to the word church. And maybe one of these Sundays, we'll, we'll, we'll look at some of those in detail. You'll get a little bit of taste. But that was the framework for myself preaching this message. And what impressed me was when we come together as a small group of believers and God shows up, we have everything we need. You said that sounds arrogant. No, that's scripture. That's when God shows up. When he doesn't show up, we got nothing we need. We are dependent on Him. So, so as I read this passage, I want us to look as this group of folks being a household of God. And and, and wait till you see some of the impact of what that really means. Okay. So, with that being said, let me back up just a second. Well, this introduction went really, 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 really um, long. But but last week we looked at one description of the church and that was in Ephesians four eleven through sixteen. My I focused on verse sixteen and I, I likened it to a platoon or a squadron of soldiers. Remember mighty men and mighty women in the Lord. That was our focus. <clears throat> and notice in verse sixteen, it's talking about the whole body and every joint and every part in the body. That's. That's, that's, that's not a denomination. It's not a universal church. It's a local group of people where you're connected and committed. That's what that passage was talking about. and That's what we talked about last week. Next week, I don't know if the Lord leads me. I'll probably go to 1 Corinthians 12, and that's where the local church is described as a body. A human body with body parts, with eyes and ears and legs and nose. Again, that's not something universal. It's not something denominational. It is a local body of believers that are committed and connected one to another. Okay? But today, we want to look at this one. The household of God. This is the third description. Okay? Ephesians 2. Let me read it one more time. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints... Of the household of God. Remember, the sun shines in a home and on a house. This is more like a home in terms of that regard. What's the sunshine? It's not your pastor, it's the Lord, it's the Holy Spirit. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Well, you're thinking, well, no, that's got to be something bigger than the local church because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He's also the cornerstone of this local church. And I sure hope our foundation is built on the apostles right here. We got the foundation of the apostles, the word of God. We got it. Okay. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth. I'm glad he stuck that word groweth in there. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a second. Did you realize we are an organism? We are not an organization. We grow. Got it? We grow. Well, the goal is we grow. Sometimes churches die. We'll talk about that in a second too. But we should be growing. Okay? Groweth. Unto an holy temple in the Lord. You're thinking this is a holy temple? The floors need to be re-sanded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a holy temple. Because the church is the people, right? Right. 22. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. We got an extra special ministry of the Holy Spirit and God when we come together. You know, when two or three are gathered, he promised to be in the midst of you. You can have great fellowship with a God in your closet, but that's just a ministry of God you don't get when when you're by yourself. And I'm not discounting any relationship you have with God in the quietness of your closet. Matter of fact, I hope you have that all the time. Okay? But you know what? I'm greedy. I want more. I want as much as I can get. Okay. All right. So let's look at this. Okay, this is what I, th- these are the five areas of this particular passage I want to focus on. It's the habitation of God, it is a work of the spirit, it is the household of God, <coughs> it is a holy temple, and it is an organism, not an organization. Okay? Number 1, a habitation of God. First place I'd like to go to is 1 Corinthians 6 And I want to read 16 and 17. This is not to be confused with 1 Corinthians 6, which likens your individual body as the holy temple of God with the Holy Spirit inside. And when you commit fornication, you are causing the Holy Spirit. That is a person. This temple of God is a local church. You'll have to read the context above and below, but this one is not to be confused with that. The Bible uses that phrase three times in the books of Corinthians. And sometimes it's talking about a local church and sometimes it's talking about you as individuals. This one is the local church. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. This is the local church, just like we read in Ephesians 2. If any man defile the temple, him shall God destroy. The temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Did you know it is possible for someone to come into the church and defile the church of God? And we can get into that maybe at another time, what those practices are. But that's why that particular man was put out in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and chapter 6. Okay, But it's possible that a member can defile the church of God. That's why we do church discipline, <clears throat> and again, just here's a rabbit trail. We don't do discipline to keep people out. We do discipline to try to bring them back in. That's the goal. I hope you don't spank your children because you're angry. You spank them because you love them, and you're trying to bring them back into the fold. Okay. Revelations three fourteen and twenty. Okay. I just want to impress. This is talking about a local church. Unto the angel of the church of the late Odysseans. This is the church that was lukewarm. I'm going to jump right down. And this is a passage that's used time and time again, totally out of contest. It's talking about God. Jesus Christ is walking. Behold, I stand and knock at the door. If any hear the voice and open the door and come in, I will sup with him and he with me. (laughs) Y'all... He's not talking about knocking on the heart of a dead alien sinner. He's talking about knocking on the door of a local church. There's no way in the world you can take that as a a regeneration or a born-again passage. It's just not what it's talking about. It's talking about a lukewarm church, and Jesus is on the outside, and he's knocking, and he says, I want to come into your worship service. Man, y'all, that should scare the daylights out of us as a local church. Right? We're arguing about the carpet color. Yes, Jesus on the other Can I come in? I'm not coming in while you're arguing about the carpet color. I know that's a silly example. We've never argued about the carpet color here. But you know, I'm just coming up with something ridiculous that other churches could have gotten in trouble with, right? Okay. <clears throat> a local church. I want them to dwell here. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So I thought that was a marriage passage. Well, the principle certainly applies, but it's not. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Wherefore come out from among you, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. There's a place where we separate ourselves, and we have a relationship with the Lord, and one of the ways you do that is by. Joining or, or, or connecting yourself up with a local group of believers. That separates yourself from the world. Okay, And then finally, here's my illustration. This is a passage that I don't think you've ever thought about it this way, but I'm going to challenge you to read the passage and do the context. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 16 through 18. Very famous passage. <clears throat> Let me ask you this before I, I go further and I read it. What does a gate do? Has a gate ever oppressed you? Has a gate ever charged you? Has a gate ever attacked you? What do gates do? They keep people out, right? Amen? Okay, now let's read the passage. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter upon this rock. And I don't think Peter is the foundation of the church. It's his faith in Jesus Christ that's the foundation of the church. Okay? Peter was just a man. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is supposed to bust open the gates of hell wide open. And you know what? The gates will not prevail against the church busting the church of hell wide open. I heard a message this week on the radio from Adrian Rogers. I love some of his illustrations. You know what he preached? He was preaching on hell. And he said, I pray I'm known in hell. I thought, what? He says, yeah, I want my wanted poster on their post office down in hell. He says, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> and he says, remember those five guys, seven guys that tried to cast out demons? Remember those guys? It didn't work too well because they said, we preach you Jesus Christ whom Paul preached. And the devil said, you know what? Jesus is on our wanted poster, and Paul's on our wanted poster, but we don't know you. And They beat him up, tore him out, and sent him out naked, right? So the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. My friends, we have everything we need in this local church to prevail against the gates of hell. We, it's like the gates of hell are not going to attack us. The gates of hell cannot take away our candlestick. God can take away our candlestick, but the gates of hell will never do it. And we'll talk about him doing that in Revelations 2 and 3. Doesn't, doesn't that passage read a whole lot different than we've read it all our lives? We got everything we need. We can bust the gates of hell wide open. I hope down there they said, Okay, Watch out for that Dolph Painter preacher. We hate that guy. Watch out for that little congregation called Mount Owl. We hate that congregation. I hope we're known in hell that way. And I stole it from Adrian Rogers, so I won't even take credit for that. But I was laughing as I was going down the, driving down the road. Okay, <clears throat> the second thing it is <clears throat> number one, it's a habitation of God, number two, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And this is the empowerment of the New Testament church. And this is Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is just before Jesus ascended up into heaven. He's sitting there talking to his apostles. And he says, but ye shall receive power after that, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if you were to go to Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, you would see actually that taking place in Pentecost. So what happened was, is when the New Testament church was established, there was 120 people that gathered in an upper room. That wasn't the church. When did it become the church? When God sent the Holy Spirit into it and empowered it. That's when it became the church. Now we can get together. And we can get together and we can meet and we might even sing the songs. But if the Holy Spirit's not here, that's not the church. It's just a bunch of Christians getting together for fellowship. But We need the Lord to show up. That's what makes all the difference. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12 4-11 it is talking about all the diversities of the Holy Spirit and I didn't put down the whole passage because it's a lengthy passage and we'll probably read that at a later time but the Holy Spirit comes and he looks at a body of believers and he diversifies you know what that means he gives you different gifts why does he do that? a church of all the same kind of person would be pretty boring. Amen? Amen. He calls us lively stones. He does not call us lively bricks. Yes? And Brother Greg, I know you're oblong this way, but I'm oblong over here. Okay? And Brother Danny, I know you've got a sharp corner on the top, but Brother Richard, your sharp corner's on the bottom, and they all fit together just right. Yeah. Okay. I'm very analytical I married someone that's best friends after one month with the meat cutter and the grocery store I don't know how she knows their life story after one month of going to the grocery store I think I wish I could do that I'm glad I married her. She's not me, and I'm not her. And we complement each other. Here's the... I'm I'm exerting, I'm taking a little bit from verse 4 and a little bit from verse 11. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Down at the end of that passage, it says, but all these worketh at one in self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Lord, I don't know why you gave... So-and-so the gift of exhortation and -and so-and-so the gift of giving and -and so-and-so the gift of teaching. You're sitting there and you think, Lord, why did you give me the gift of exhortation? In one sense, I'm going to say, that's a terrible gift to get because everybody hates me when I exhort them, right? And I knew a man that carried that role really, really well down in Georgia. He had the gift of exhortation. And I can see it. When he stood up, everybody went, oh no, we're going to get it right now. Let's, Let's protect ourselves. And he was always spot on. It was always exactly what the church needed. Got it? But the Lord is the one, the Spirit is the one that diversifies the different gifts and gives different people different gifts. Old and young. Right? Blue collar, white collar. Male, female. Right? Grandparents, parents, children, students, teachers, educated, blue collar work. I mean just every we need all those things. Let me jump over to John fourteen. <clears throat> this is right before Jesus Christ was gonna be offered up. He gave his disciples some specific instructions of John fourteen, fifteen and sixteen. here's just one little expert I want to take from verse 17 and 23. John 14, 17 and 23. Let me go back. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it receiveth him not, neither knoweth him, but she know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. God dwelleth with you and shall be in you. In you. Y'all, you that should give you tremendous comfort. And then at the end of the passage in 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, if a man love me, he keepeth my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. Unto him and with him. There's a prayer. The head of my The school that I used to teach, he used to pray. And it was this great big long list. And it was simply Christ in you, Christ above you, Christ behind you, Christ in front of you, Christ to the left, Christ to the right, Christ when you're sleeping, and it's just this great big long list. Do you see this promise here? Christ with you and Christ in you. Man, you can face anything with that. Amen? All right. <clears throat> Here's a church Revelations 2, 1 through 5, the church at Ephesus. You know that, that good book we go to all the time, the book of Ephesians? Solid doctrine in chapters 1, 2, and 3, all that practical stuff in 4, 5, and 6. Yes? how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband, how to be a good parent, how to be a good child, how to be a good employer, how to be a good employee, right, all those verses of like practical instruction in the second half, that church, <clears throat> Jesus had to spank because the sun was shining on their church, but the sun wasn't shining in their church. And this is what it says, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, right. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and walketh in the midst. I'm going to skip verses 2 and 3. I'm going to go right down to 4 and 5. But, but, but they were good. Their doctrine was spot on. They could spot a heretic a mile away. Their practice was fantastic. Well, what else is there with good doctrine and good practice? Isn't that what a church is? Nope. What was the difference? because they had an organization they did not have an organism okay nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of this place except thou repent you know what their problem was they fell out of love with Jesus they love the practice they love the tradition. they showed up and they forgot to bring and call on Jesus. Think about it. Think about it when you first got married now this is should be condemning to every married person in here. when you're courting, how many times did you call your wife? she wasn't your wife at that time your your fiance or your whoever whatever relationship yet how often did you think about her right how often did you buy her I'm condemning myself right down to my socks how often did you buy her a present flowers how often did you do that right and then you fast forward how many years how many decades okay how many times do you do it now you know how it wanes she's compassionate she forgives me because she knows that in a small sense, she does the same thing to me. We get used to each other. Jesus did it. He says, you're doing things. You're doing your doctrine. You're looking for heretics. You're doing works. You're being church. But you know what? You're doing it just because you're used to doing it. You're not doing it out of love. We need the Lord present. Okay? Let's go to Luke 18, 11, and 12. This is a Pharisee. Remember those two men that were praying? This is the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. You know, that's not a very good thing. If we came in here and we started praying and we started praying with ourselves, it's just silly to think about it. But Scripture said this man was praying to himself. I've heard people pray to the crowd. Yeah. I've heard been in meetings, and a preacher actually prayed and preached a sermon in his prayer. And he prayed thus with himself. And then the me monster takes over God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, or just altars, or even the, as this publican. I fast in the week. I give tithes of all that I pass. Lord, you ought to be pleased that I'm just coming up to show up in your church. You need to thank me just for showing up. Well, watch it. Watch it. We can get those kind of attitudes ourselves. Even a hint of it is a stench in God's nose. Okay? Number four, we are a holy temple. <clears throat> I want to read this passage, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That's what we're supposed to do with one another. Notice this. This is one we've practiced a couple times this year with two people that had illnesses. Is any sick among you? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Right? And I'll name it. Brother Brian said, you know, my back's been killed. I can't work. And he said, would y'all come together and exercise this verse?" And we did. He had a miraculous recovery. Within weeks, he was back at work, weren't you? Weeks. He came in. I, you'd look at him. He thought he was at least 114 years old. The way he was all hobbled over. And he comes walking in a couple weeks later. Went back to work. Sister Melanie with her cancers. Would you do that for us? Y'all this local body has everything it needs. We don't always use everything we have but we have everything we need. That's what a local church is supposed to do. It's supposed to be. Let me go down here. Here's a pat. I'm going to save this one for next week. Okay, so let's skip that one. Okay, let's go to this one. It's an organiz- organism, not an organization. First Peter chapter two verse four and five. Okay, this is the last characteristic we're going to look at today. To whom coming as unto a living stone. Again, I'm going to. You, know, you know the difference between a stone and a brick, right? Bricks are all the same, uniform. Too often religious want to turn us into bricks. right, Brother Peter, you don't look like a brick enough to me. Let me get my hammer and chisel out. You can take that piece. There you go. Now you're looking like a brick. Right? No, that's not how it's done. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, in holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable God, <coughs> by Jesus Christ. Notice that lively stones. The difference between the Ephesus church before and after, they, when they got their exhortation and Revelations 2, is they weren't lively anymore. It was just dead works. You can do dead works. For as the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is also dead. This church without the Spirit is dead. This is the uh, passage John fifteen one through five. We're talking about abiding in the vine. It's funny. The other day, <clears throat> I did a little bit of work on the on the parking area. We had trees and bushes that were growing over, and the branches were coming over. And I got my, and you know, I was trimming away so it wasn't scraping the cars. And there's a great big pile of twigs over there. A couple days ago, when I put those twigs over there, where they were all lush and green. Guess what happens in three days after you trim them off and you pile them up. They get all brown and dried out. How does that happen? They weren't connected to the tree anymore. Well, that's what this is talking about. You need to be connected to the tree. Your grapes, your, your brand, you need to be connected to the vine. As soon as you disconnect from the bride, you're going to be dried up and withered just like those branches out there. Amen? That's what this passage is. And then finally, <clears throat> I want to go to Martha. Martha, 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 Martha. Right? Let me read the passage. This is Luke ten thirty-eight through 42. <clears throat> Jesus was preaching. He was taking appointments. Sometimes he was in synagogues. Sometimes he was on hills. Sometimes he was in boats. And sometimes he was at kitchen tables. This is one time where he was at a kitchen table. Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Isn't Martha wonderful? She is wonderful. But, but. And she had a sister called Mary. Now Mary was the bum in Martha's eyes. Not in Jesus' eyes, but in Martha's eyes. Which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister is a bum? No, that's not what it says. Hath let me up to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she held me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha... Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. Martha even had Jesus in her home, right? But she wasn't getting it. She wasn't getting it. She was all about the arrangements. She was all about the proceedings. She was all about that. one of these days <clears throat> we're going to have a lunch I'm, gonna, I'm really going to do this we're going to have a lunch and I'm going to show up and I'm going to have bread and fish just bread and fish but I don't like that if oh, you don't like the bread then you can eat the fish if you don't like the fish then you can eat the bread but we need something else uh uh-uh. uh uh Bread and fish, that's all you get, bread and fish. Do I have Bible? Yeah, I think so. Amen? Because we're not here for the bread and fish. Your bellies may be growling. Okay, I get it. We'll take care of that. But that's what Jesus was there. He says, these guys came for three days in her preaching in their week, feed them. What did you give them? Bread and fish. Right? There were people that got fed and they followed him for the food. And Jesus said, hit the road. I can't remember if it's either Mark 6 or John 6. He said, "Go." Oh, no. He says, the only reason you're following me is to eat. You got fed and you ate. That's not the right reason. But these people that came and forsook all for three days just to hear the word of God, he says, those are the people I'm going to feed. I'll take care of some natural stuff, but the focus is Jesus. I pray the focus is Jesus Christ in our, met- our worships. Okay, well, that's, that's where we're at. I went a little bit longer than usual, but there we are. <clears throat> if you're interested in a passage for next week, you might want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't know how much longer this will go. Probably at least one more Sunday, maybe two. I'm not sure. But the bottom line is, y'all, It's, it's like a wedding. Have you ever been guilty saying someone calls you up and says, hey, you want to do something on Friday? You say, no, I got to go to a wedding. You're laughing. Did anyone ever say, no, I got to go to a wedding? Do you ever hear someone say, no, I get to go to a wedding? Right? Okay. How about Church. No, I can't do that on Sunday. I got to go to church. What if you say, No, I can't go on Sunday because I get to go to church. What a difference. When we get that attitude, I think our life's going to change. And we as a church get that attitude, I think our church will change too. Amen? So, we get to meet next Sunday. (laughs) May the Lord bless you.